Welcome to Mars Messina Presents. I am Mars Messina, and today is Saturday, April 2nd, 2022. We have reached our 51st episode, which means that next week is our one-year anniversary. I'm conjuring up something special, but I'm welcoming requests. Email me at thisismarsmessina.com at gmail.com with any suggestions. And now on with the show. It has been said that health is wealth. And I believe that all of us, whether we're an elite athlete or a couch potato, or we're living with a physical disability or anything in between or outside of that, I believe we can all make choices that can make our health better no matter where we are on the health spectrum. And today I'm going to talk about a couple of people who serve for me and many others as North Stars for Wellness. So I'm just going to call them North Stars. Like these are the people who I find really inspirational and um, maybe I don't follow exactly what they do to a T, but they do give me a good uh, blueprint or outline of how to achieve wellness, especially if you were in a place where you weren't as healthy as you'd like to be. So we're gonna talk about some of these North Stars. Um, and again, no matter where you are on the health and fitness spectrum, I think these people can serve as an inspiration for you too. And um, they will help you uh, or your study of them will help you become a healthier version of yourself. So the first North Star we'll focus on today is Jack LaLanne, a fitness and nutrition guru who was once known as the godfather of fitness. In fact, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, this is his idol. In Jack's early years, he was a self-proclaimed junk food and sugar addict. He reportedly suffered from many health issues which made him moody and prone to lash out at others. By the age of 15, he was so sick, he had to drop out of school for six months. And one day, his mother took him to a health food lecture given by one Paul Bragg, who changed Jack's life forever. The lecture hall happened to be filled to capacity, and as Jack and his mother were about to turn around and leave, Mr. Bragg pulled up two seats onto the stage and invited them up, absolutely refusing to let them leave. Later, when Jack returned home, he reflected and prayed to have the courage to stay away from bad food. From that day on, he had the motivation to change not only his life, but dedicate his life to helping others do the same. His newfound motivation prompted him to buy the anatomical reference book called Grey's Anatomy, and I highly uh, recommend this book for anyone who is interested in human physiology. 
Uh, and it's from this book where he learned the inner workings of the human body. He joined a local YMCA and um, he was from Northern California. So I think this was in Berkeley where this happened. And this is where he discovered weights. And because he didn't have the money to buy his own sets of weights, he duplicated them at home with just found objects like, you know, like a, a milk carton or something. Um, he replicated these weights at home and began devising exercises on his own from what he gleaned from Gray's Anatomy. Jack incrementally increased in strength, and I really want to emphasize that none of this happens overnight for anyone, <clears throat> unless you're taking some miracle drug or shot, which you don't want to do. Just do this naturally. Throughout the process, Jack Lillane played high school football. He wrote fitness books eventually. He eventually created a fitness empire and he helped people all over the world live healthier lives. So very briefly, some, some of Jack's accomplishments include the following. In the year 1954, when he was 40 years old, Jack LaLanne swam the entire 8,980 foot length of the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, all underwater with 140 pound air tanks and other equipment strapped to his body. He made the world record and he was 40 years old when he started doing that. The next year, 1955, he swam from Alcatraz Island to Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco while handcuffed. When interviewed afterwards, he was quoted as saying that the worst thing about the ordeal was being handcuffed which significantly reduced his chance to do a jumping jack. So he, he's being a little snarky there. The very next year, 1956, when he was 42 years old, he set what was claimed to be a world record of 1,033 push-ups in 23 minutes on, you asked for it, a television program hosted by Art Baker. In 1957, the very next year, he swam the Golden Gate Channel while towing a 2,500-pound cabin cruiser. The swift ocean currents turned this one-mile swim into a swimming distance of 6.5 miles. In 1958, he is now 44 years old, he maneuvered a paddle boat non-stopped from the Farrah, excuse me if I pronounce this wrong, Farayon Islands to the San Francisco shore. The 30-mile trip took nine and a half hours. In 1959, he is now 45 years old, he did 1,000 jumping jacks and 1,000 chin-ups in one hour, 22 minutes to promote the Jack LaLanne show going nationwide. LaLanne said that this was his most difficult of stunts, but only because the skin on his hands started ripping off during the chin-ups. He felt he couldn't stop because it would be seen as a public failure. 
when he is trying to promote his show. Jump to 1974, he is now 60 years old. 60 years old. For the second time, he swam from Alcatraz Island to Fisherman's Wharf. Again, he was handcuffed, but this time he was also shackled and towed a 1,000-pound boat. And this is according to his obituary in the New York, I'm sorry, the Los Angeles Times in 2011. And it also says this on his website. However, Los Angeles Times staff writer P Philip Hager said that Lelaine's hands and feet were instead bound with cords that allowed minimal freedom, but minimal clearly did not mean no freedom as Lelaine's method of propulsion through the water was half breaststroke, half dog paddle, which is how you swim with your hands tied. 1975, he is now 61 years old. Repeating his performance of 21 years earlier, he again swam the entire length of the Golden Gate Bridge, underwater and handcuffed, but this time he was shackled and towed a 1,000-pound boat. 1976. To commemorate the spirit of 76, the bicentennial for the United States, he swam one mile in Long Beach Harbor. He was handcuffed and shackled, and he towed 13 boats, representing the 13 original colonies, containing 76 people. 1979. He is now 65 years old. He towed 65 boats in Lake Ashinoko near Tokyo, Japan. He was handcuffed and shackled, and the boats were filled with 6,500 pounds of Louisiana Pacific wood pulp. 1980, he towed 10 boats in North Miami, Florida. The boats carried 77 people, and he towed them for over one mile in less than one hour. Jump to 1984, he is 70 years old. Handcuffed, shackled, and fighting strong winds and currents, Jack LeLang towed 70 rowboats, one with several guests from the Queensway Bridge in the Long Island Harbor to the Queen Mary, which was one mile. And he started this when he was middle-aged and continued on, or these <clears throat> magnificent feats. He had been working out before then, you know, very significantly. But still, I mean, to be that age and to be doing this. He died of respiratory failure due to pneumonia at his home on January 23rd, 2011. Jacqueline Lane was 96 years old when he died. According to his family, he had been sick for a week but refused to see a doctor. They added that he had been performing his daily root workout routine the day before his death. Jack LaLanne said, dying is easy. 
living is the pain in the butt. It's like an athletic event. You've got to train for it. And condensed in a nutshell, that is the story of Jack LaLanne. I find him very marvelous and inspiring. I also find him exhausting. Did that story exhaust you just listening to it? Again, what's cool about Jack LaLanne's story is he did not start out in the best shape, but with patience and over a long period of time, he pursued better health. And most of his insane feats, again, his most insane feats of strength didn't even happen until his middle age or older. And this actually reminds me of a time when I was watching racers at mile 22 of the Chicago Marathon. And the four hour marker had just passed by and that heat was following the four hour marker. So these were people destined to finish the Chicago Marathon in four hours, 26.2 miles, okay. And um, as this heat was running by, I saw an old woman in the middle of the pack. And as she passed by, I saw the sign that was attached to her back and it read, I am 80 years old and I am beating you. And I figured, oh, she's got to be a North Star as well. And um, now I'm gonna tell you about another one of my fitness North Stars and perhaps this one will become yours too. Her name is Ernestine Shepard, and she's an octogenarian bodybuilder. Ernestine and her sister, Mildred Blackwell, were inseparable. And one day when um, Ernestine was 56, and I believe her sister was maybe 57, they were trying on clothes together. They had gone shopping. And to their disappointment, these clothes that they were trying to buy didn't fit the way they wanted them to fit. So Mildred suggested that they begin exercising. Now, neither woman had really exercised before in their lives. Ernestine said she was more concerned about clothing and nails and hair, um, her, her outward appearance rather than um, like a fitness type, um, you know, um, way of taking care of herself. And so they began the journey of weight training together. Doing the same thing every day wasn't Mildred's style, so she proposed a new and higher goal to Ernestine. And she said, you know what we're gonna do? We're going to be in the Guinness Book of World Records as two of the oldest female bodybuilders. And what's gonna happen is we have something else. We're sisters. Within a year's time, if anything were to happen to me, I would want you to keep this up. Now, what was happening is Mildred was hiding health problems from her sister and, um, <clears throat> and she knew this about herself as they began training for this new goal. Now, sadly, Mildred suffered a brain aneurysm that killed her. Losing her sister caused Ernestine 
to suffer from depression, high blood pressure, panic attacks, and acid reflux. Mildred's death sucked the energy and the will out of Ernestine, <clears throat> who did not want to do anything, and for several months she didn't do anything. She was in this deep state of depression. <clears throat> and one night, when Ernestine was asleep, Mildred came to her in a dream, and she recalls her sister saying in the dream, get up and do what I asked you to do. You've got to do it for the both of us. Two weeks later, Ernestine decided to fulfill her sister's goals and wishes by weight training again. Eventually, she was able to perform in a bodybuilding showcase competition in which she earned first place in her age category. After that, <clears throat> the sisters packed with each other manifested into reality. The Guinness Book of World Records entered Ernestine into the book as the oldest competitive female bodybuilder in the world, just like Mildred had imagined. Ernestine tells everyone that her transformation did not happen overnight. Rather, it happened by being persistent over a long period of time. And again, she started when she was middle age. Now, if you're younger than middle age, um, don't sit on your laurels and say, well, I'm young and healthy. I can just start this when I'm older. <clears throat> no, because look what happened to Mildred, okay? Sometimes it's too late. So if you're young, start now. And if you're old, don't say, well, it's too late for me because I'm old. No, it doesn't have to be. You could be like Ernestine, you know, in your own way. So um, <clears throat> Ernestine now says, I really don't need an alarm clock to wake me up. I wake up at 2.30 every morning. I get up. I say my devotions, then I'll eat. I will eat 10 egg whites. They're scrambled 16 ounces of water and a handful of walnuts. I have a certain song that I sing every morning. Oh, I can't sit down, got to keep on rolling. Today I am happy and free. Nothing in the world is troubling me. So begins the day for the now 85-year-old world's oldest female bodybuilder. And this woman, like, she walks like 13 miles a day. And the way she, she lives now, she's still very fit. Like, you would never know she was 85 years old. But she's cut back on, you know, how much weight she lifts because she is 85. You got to honor that, you know. But um, you can just start out with small weights, you know, two-pound weights, three-pound weights, five-pound weights. You know, you don't have to go all hog wild, you can start out very small and work your way up. Now, Ernestine was able to rid herself of high blood pressure medication. She no longer takes medication for panic attacks or for acid reflux. By going out to run and walk, she has been able to manage her depression and anxiety. And she adds, I do this because I have to practice what I preach. 
I can't tell anyone else to do it if I'm not doing it. And she states that she feels better now at 85 than she did when she was 40 years old. And um, Ernestine's story reminds me of one of my neighbors. I met Charlie while out on one of my own walks. And this guy walks everywhere at all times of day. He's maybe five foot eight and 155 pounds, 150 pounds, somewhere in there. But what I didn't know is that he used to be well over 300 pounds, like 370, 380. Now, when he was age 57, he developed some illnesses and he didn't name the illnesses, but there were several and each one of them required him to go on medication. And that was his wake up moment. He refused. He refused that medication. And, but what happened was these multiple diagnoses frightened him enough that he started walking. That's all he did. He walked several miles every day. In fact, he didn't even really change his diet. He just started walking and it took years, but he was persistent daily with his daily walking and he lost more than half of his body weight and all the physical ailments that came with it were gone. And he is now 71 years old and he looks a decade younger. That's what walking did for him. And his blood sugar is normal, his blood pressure is normal, his heart rate, everything normal. Now, the story of Ernestine and Charlie, these stories might sound a bit more accessible than Jack LaLanne, but maybe for some of you, even going out for walks sounds daunting, either psychologically or physically, physiologically, you might not feel up to that but there are still things you can do, whether you're a couch potato or you're managing disabilities. So I'd like to talk about the sedentary lifestyle. And, you know, usually when you read that or hear that, that word sedentary, you just know bad news is coming with it. I'm not gonna do that. I, you know the risks of a sedentary lifestyle. Well, I'm gonna talk about how you might be able to achieve, achieve some health. Um, you know, if you're somebody who's like chained to a desk for 50, 60 hours a week, so you can't exercise because you can't get away from work or because um, you're a gamer and you live in your mom's basement or you're disabled, whatever it may be, even you can find ways to be healthier. And for the sedentary lifestyle, the rule number one starts with food. Just cutting out fast food from your diet and replacing the usual, whether it's a breaded steak or a double cheeseburger, replacing that with deli-style turkey or tuna sandwiches will probably have a massive impact all by itself. So you can choose what you're buying to eat. You can always do a simple search for healthy foods that taste good. And, um, if you cook, Rocco Despirito has cookbooks dedicated to making healthier versions of classics like spaghetti and meatballs or lasagna or what have you. He, he makes healthier versions of these things that take, taste equally as good. He's really good at this. 
Um, so I would recommend his cookbooks. Or you could do something like you can make your own sweet potato chips and eat them instead of bags of potato chips that you buy in a store. Because the sweet potato itself is healthier. And even though you might be frying it, you can air fry it if you have an air fryer. Makes it even more healthier and they're good. And as far as physical activity goes, it might be as accessible and doable as honoring your nervous tics. For example, do you bite your fingernails? Do you chew gum? What you can do is turn your nervous tick consciously into an energy burning habit. So the next time you catch yourself doing your usual nervous tick, you know, again, like biting your nails, try to divert that energy down into your feet. Tap your shoes on the ground. Move your legs around in your chair. Shake your knee or do something else with your feet. Stomp, march, wiggle, something. And it may not seem like a lot, but these little actions are using the muscles and nerves of your legs to push blood through some of the more difficult pathways of your bloodstream, especially in the feet because it's the farthest away from your heart. So it's really good to move the feet. And your feet take so many pressure, so much pressure every day um, per square inch that it's really good to move your feet. This type of movement, these little movements can also prevent deep vein thrombosis. So move your legs, move your feet if you're able. Even if you're sitting at a desk, just stomp in place or sitting on the couch, wiggle those feet out. Also, if you're just sitting somewhere, using hand grips are all another great physical activity because there are so many variations of exercise you can do with them. Unless your sedentary lifestyle is caused by something that prevents wrist or finger movement, please go ahead and add grip training. Keep the muscles in your hands and wrists strong. The grips are small, which allow for them to be easily stored in your desk or near your bed or near your couch. The exercise motions are quick, which allow you to easily train up while watching TV or while you're on a break at work. There's also a decent amount of variety you can get while exercising. You can certainly follow the instructions that come with the grips and squeeze and release repeatedly to train your muscles to quickly exert power, or you could squeeze and hold, just hold them closed to train your muscles in long periods of exercise. So dynamic, you know, where you keep moving them in and out, and static, where you just hold them shut. Or you could do both on different days to give your muscles a full range of calorie burning exercise. Yes, even that burns calories. Also practice with different ways of holding the grips, the grip trainers. Try holding them reversed or a little closer to the metal pieces or maybe a little further away. Every variation trains your muscles in new and interesting ways, which leads to more toned muscle with which to burn that energy. 
just make sure not to overdo it. If you start to feel pain in your wrist, stop immediately. Put a little ice on, maybe for five minutes, then put heat on for 10, 15 minutes, and um, just until the pain is gone, you know, keep the heat on until the pain is gone. Um, another thing that uh, people with the sedentary lifestyle can do, um, so whether you're a work at home, employee or you're a couch potato, you might want to invest in a recumbent stationary bike. Now, the recumbent stationary bike has a few limitations. Um, first of all, you have to buy it and some of them can be very expensive, especially a good one because you don't want to get one that that's hard to put together and once you sit on it, it just collapses. You want a good sturdy recumbent stationary bike. Or maybe you can go to a gym, you know, you can get a gym membership and they have stationary recumbent stationary bikes there where you're just kind of sitting back, but you're pedaling. Okay. And you're watching TV. It's not hard. So, um, you know, if obviously if your sedentary lifestyle takes place in a bed and you really can't move, it's obviously not something you can use without the full um, power of your legs. So if you can't move your legs, you might not be able to, you know, start there, but maybe you could work up to that um, depending on your situation. But for remote workers, video game addicts, and soap opera fans, this is a powerful tool to help fight the impact of your sedentary lifestyle. Once you hop on and get used to your bike being there for you, you can cycle away while going through your daily work routine. The bike can also help you effectively work off the nervous tension and energy that you might have cooped up. It might help you make more solid decisions and improve your patience. Yeah, just, you know, cycling through a, a recumbent bike, you know, also has the physiological effect of calming your nervous system. Whether you're sedentary on the couch, the bed, the desk, or a car, dumbbells fit into the sedentary lifestyle. And there are a host of different workout videos on YouTube that will teach you how to use the dumbbells for the different muscle groups. Dumbbells are cheap, they're small, and you can alter the weight to fit your requirements. They can be fit into almost any car, workspace, or stored near the couch on the floor. Leg and ankle weights are specially designed to be worn around your lower leg and open the sedentary individual up to a whole bunch of new methods to expend energy and stay in shape or get into shape. These useful tools are generally small and easy to store like the dumbbells, but can provide a benefit to your lower body and core instead of just your arms and upper body. Resistant, resistance bands can do the same. There are a multitude of stretches that sedentary individuals can perform even while sitting or laying down. 
and you can look up those seated or laying down stretch exercises on YouTube. Go into every stretch and exercise slowly. If you move too fast, you won't know what your limitations are and you can go over that limit and risk injury. So go into it slowly and feel for your own individual physical limit. And don't go beyond that. Go up to that, but not beyond. Repeat these exercises. Dedicate 15 minutes a day to it. And then eventually 20 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, do it incrementally like those North Stars that I mentioned, even though they're, you know, they're in pretty peak physical shape. They did everything with persistence and patience and they didn't explode into these massive exercises. They started out slow. Remember, 56 years old, um, Ernestine, you know, she didn't start out just pounding back, you know, you know, she wasn't like doing like 150 pound squats at the beginning of her exercise. No, she started out small. You start out small. Um, eat a veggie sub and instead of the steak and cheese stub, sub and just get into this. Get into this mode um, where it's not so different than your life is now. It's just a little bit better. And over time, you too will notice yourself getting stronger and healthier. Now, in lieu of uh, bedtime stories from the Acoustic Bookshelf, I'm just going to end today's show with one more quote from Jack LaLanne, because I think it's such an important quote. Physical fitness takes commitment to exercise just as it requires good nutrition, but it doesn't have to be painful, just the opposite. Vigorous exercise, and I'm just inject, gonna inject myself in here, vigorous exercise means different things to different people, okay? Vigorous exercise actually is stimulating it boosts your energy levels, invigorates your mind, and just feels good afterwards. The hardest part, of course, is getting started. So, no matter where you are, again, on that health and fitness spectrum, get started, begin, devote 10 minutes, 15 minutes, with simple stretches, with two-pound weights with your veggie sandwiches rather than your breaded steak sandwich. Just begin and check back with me next week. Until then, arrivederci.